I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and on this week's Archive Edition, we find ourselves in 2015 and face to face with a force of nature, a champion of the new, a man who stood up for his beliefs. He could even get a new concert hall built, Pierre Boulez. Sadly, the composer and conductor passed away on the 5th of January 2016. But back in 2015, the Barbican presented Boulez at 90, a series of concerts and films across March and April. So on this edition, we try and discover more about the complex and intriguing man by speaking to those closest to his music, such as conductor Francois Xavier Roth. Such an important performer as a conductor of the second half of the 20th century. Composer and educator Julian Anderson. And why can't we hear it live? We are fed up of always hearing the old CDs. They're marvellous, but we want to hear how this music sounds in the concert hall. And members of Ensemble Intercontemporain. Well, it's, of course, a good opportunity to come and to play for his birthday. But, you know, his birthday was when he was 80, 85, 90. First, let's hear from a composer from the next or next next generation, Nico Muley. Let's discover his thoughts on Boulez to give us a soft landing and helping hand into this complex yet compelling universe of sound. Um, it was very, very early in my in my life as a musician. I, I'd been listening to a lot of Messiaen and I bought the recording, Boulez's recording of, of Konokomi, and I just thought this is amazingly precise and amazingly kind of, it was like someone had, in, had put air between all the notes and it's, it's, it was... I, I was just immediately transfixed with this, with this kind of this clarity and precision and like sensual aggression. I guess is what I, what I thought. Of. And then I'm a, a little bit of sort of contrarian in, in the sense. I, and the, the music that I think is the is the most warm is is what everyone thinks is the most cold. I think sort of early Glass and Reich is is incredibly warm, and I and I think you know early English choral music is incredibly warm, and I think Boulez is as well. I mean, it's it feels essentially like a like a sort of a, a gigantic extension of, of Debussy and, and and of and of kind of this sort of sumptuous French milky textures. A, a few years ago, when I, when I started to know more about him and I started to read what, you know, read sort of things that he said, I realized I could not be less interested in hearing what he has to say about anything. Um, and I think that's kind of, that's kind of cool. That's, that's good. I think, I think you shouldn't ever, really ever listen to composers. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, heard him, I heard him speak a couple years ago in New York, and essentially he just said a series of contradictory statements. What, I think what matters is that, that the notes are right, and that the rhythms are right, and that when he conducts Wagner, certain things happen, and that, you know, there's, that those are the things that are, that are important. I'm, the, the rest is just kind of some noise. Mm-hmm. 
From composer to conductor, Francois Xavier Roth has to be one of the biggest advocates of Pierre Boulez's music. He joined me on the phone to explain why he was looking forward to conducting Boulez's music over two concerts with the BBC Symphony Orchestra. I had the, the chance to be born in France, and when I was a child, and especially when I was a teenager, many pieces, many works by Boulez were performed in Paris. So uh, his music was, was performed, even it was not something uh, part of the repertoire at the time. First time I, I listened to Répond, I have to say that more than the complexity, it opened my imagination, we say in French, my imaginary landscape in my, in my body, in my mind. So it opened new ways. I always had the feeling that the music was every time fresh, every time modern, like it was written the day before. This was my impression at the beginning. And I will never forget when I met him, it was in London before rehearsal, and he was so simple and so nice to me in the sense that uh, he just opened his door. When I had some questions, he took all the time necessarily to explain me. I remember that he did conduct some Ravel music with the LSO, and it was fascinating for, for a young conductor like me because he explained me everything I wanted to know. Why did you do that in the rehearsal? What will you do in the next rehearsal? So it was my first contact with him personally, and I, 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 I have to say that it was a shock because I could never imagine that such a great musician would take so much time to explain to uh, Mr. Nobody that I uh, was at this time, and a young musician who wanted to learn about his way to do music. So it was my first contact with him. How do you think his conducting has influenced his composing or, or the other way around? I mean, do you think they're linked in some way? Yes, for sure. And it's uh, actually very interesting to see. No doubt that his experience as a conductor influenced the way that he could find solutions in the music to be more efficient in a way or uh, more practical to play, to perform. But the experience of the conductor, you can feel in the writing of the composer. But I mean, this is something that is really part of his profile. Exactly like Gustav Mahler's music. When you see Gustav Mahler's music, you can feel at every bar that the man who did write is used to perform with orchestra, and he knows the orchestra. With Boulez, it's not uh, only symphonic orchestra, because it's new forms, new ensembles that he did invent. Um, you don't find something similar in the, the composers of the 20th century, because even Stravinsky was not such a good conductor, and he did fight all the time with the orchestra he had to conduct. I have to say that his conducting is something 
totally unique. First of all, I have to say that uh, for me, he, he is such a, uh, an important performer as a conductor of the second half of the 20th century. He went back to the roots of the text and the, the gesture of the composers and started to give performances much more transparent uh, than what was the, the fame uh, after the war. So this is the first aspect of his conducting, which is very important. When you're, when you're uh, talking about seducing, he's not a, a man of seduction uh, spontaneously. When you look at him conducting, it's something, the face doesn't give any indication. But in the same time, there is this kind of uh, purity in the sound, in the conducting gestures as well. Uh, and for me, he, he was always a model always a model. He did impose to the public to listen to music that they didn't know, that they didn't want to listen to, step by step, um, uh, conducting Webern, Bear, Schoenberg's music, but also his friend Berio and, and uh, Ligeti. Step by step, he uh, educated the audiences. And this is something that we have today to thank him because I wouldn't dare or I wouldn't be able to conduct so easily Schoenberg or Ligeti today. So this is a second aspect of his conducting tribute. So we've talked about his conducting, but obviously I think now we should move to your conducting. How do you approach his music? How do you, how do you research or prepare yourself for, for, for these performances? Ah, this is something that I'm very used to because I have to say that I had the chance to conduct his music since many years. What is complex, as we said before, is that he has conducting all his pieces, but I think that when, when I start working all his pieces, I just, I just do like uh, all the composers I conduct. I try to find what the composer wanted to do and wanted to say and wanted to hear when he did write uh, his works. More difficult for the, the conductor and the, the, the players because you have, to, you have to, to take another costume and to try to understand the form and the music simple or the, the work. I take it very in advance because the works are very complex, but I have to say that every time it's such an amazing joy to perform his music, a non-stop joy. Francois then guided me through some of the music in more detail he was planning to conduct back in 2015. If we start with the um, the second piano sonata, which I which I found quite fascinating to, to learn was um, sort of developed through his friendship with, with with John Cage. Yes, the second piano sonata is is a masterwork, no doubt. It's a total radical work. 
in a way, like the first piano sonata by, by him, but even more, when it was first performed, it was a shock in the, the music world and the performers, because it's something so radical, in a, also so long for this, this kind of language. The first sonata is much, much shorter, and the music is so rich, so, uh, once again, radical, and I'm so happy that for this day at the Barbican, we will have the opportunity to have one of the greatest pianists of, of our time, Jean-Frédéric Neberger. He is really, for me, a genius, and he will give all the richness of this uh, sonata. Eclat multiple, in a way, works very well with the second piano sonata because it's a, a conductor playing a live a huge piano, which is an orchestra. And it's really the virtuosity of the orchestral playing, also for sure the unique aspect of this ensemble, my God, Ten violas, suddenly, why ten violas? With percussions, piano, cymbalum, mandolin, guitars. Um, this is a unique uh, color of this, this ensemble and uh, the new role of the interactions between the conductor and the orchestra. So I find it very, very interesting to have the two pieces in the same concert. Moving to the evening, I mean, this is a very busy day for you. We have uh, notations, maybe most interesting because they're they're being revised. The notation for orchestra is a is a work non finished because he has still. I saw him uh, ten days ago. He has still the 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 wish to finish them. The, the notation for orchestra are works that were asked by Daniel Barenboim for the Orchestra de Paris. And it's really a very interesting process of composing, which is the notation for piano do exist. It's very short pieces for piano. And many, many years after he composed them, the, the piano notation, he took the every piece like a matrix for like a, a material for a longer piece for large orchestra. So it's really a very interesting process. Like, I, I mean, uh, you can see uh, in a garden, a big tree uh, began with a small, a small things uh, in, in the earth. And uh, it's a masterwork for orchestra. And I have to say that today, it really is in the repertoire of the orchestras. And we finish with, I, I think for a lot of people, one, one of his most famous works, Please Salon Plea. Yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. I, I could say that with Le Marteau and Répon, uh, it's maybe one of the, the, the most uh, interesting masterwork of, of, of Pierre Boulez. Yes, soprano, an orchestra, uh, which is uh, divided in many groups. It's the part of Boulez's music 
where the, the text is a, a pretext for, for poetry. And the poetry in Boulez music is very important, for sure. Not something which is the same than Debussy or Ravel with Mallarmé uh, poetry, for example, but something very, very colorful and with many, many uh, different uh, sense of the text that you can, uh, you can understand or not. And um, I am so pleased that we will be able to, to perform this piece uh, to end this amazing day. Next, we find ourselves speaking to the Professor of Composition and Composer-in-Residence at the Guildhall School of Music, Julian Anderson. He gave us some unique insight and even tips on how to understand and engage with the music, something he was smitten with from an early age. I first heard Pierre Boulez's music when I was about 11. I can remember what it was. It was Eclat Multiple. And I heard a first part that seemed to just hover around in a very motionless kind of way that I couldn't hang on to. Now, I have to say immediately that I first heard of Pierre Boulez in a quite different way from his music. Pierre Boulez was, a, was I don't know about household, but he was a very, very, very famous name in Britain at that time in the 70s because he was chief conductor of the BBC Symphony. Catching up with his music properly really was when I was 13. And I quickly discovered trying to write any music like that, that it's actually very difficult to write music with that amount of colour and that amount of, of surprise. It's, it's not, you have to have an exceptional artistic ability and imagination to do that. And he really has that. I still think that those features and liveliness are the principal features of a great Boulez piece, I would say. Mm. Lyricism is there in some pieces, but Boulez's idea of melody is not Verdi. I mean, it's not kind of a tune that you whistle in the street. It's a very ornate kind of melodic writing in Boulez that's more close to perhaps something you might find in Japanese no plays or in um, maybe East Asian musics or medieval music. And uh, so he naturally expanded towards those musics that attracted his ear. And Japanese music and also Balinese gamelan was also one of those. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. One device that I could advise people to listen out for in Bula's many similar parts but not identical on top of each other at once. So there will be a melodic line which everyone will play, but they'll play it slightly differently from each other. So it's more like a crowd singing, if you will, at a football match where they sing a football song, but they don't all sing it at the same speed and it gets out of phase with itself. And um, some of them sing it in a very elaborate way and some sing just the basic notes of it, some sing it with a lot of accents, some don't. Well, if you transfer that to a melodic pattern in Boulez, you'll hear the line being diffused through the orchestra um, as if it's like in a hall of mirrors. It's a most magical sound world, that. Um, One of the other things I could say people might have a little background about is um, look on the internet, look up Paul Clay. Paul Clay had a very, very interesting and inventive attitude towards the basic materials of his art. Well, he was a painter, and so he took just colours, lines, uh, foreground, background. And he worked with those very simple elements that a kid could work with, frankly, and just examined them as if they just dropped down from heaven just there. I think has a parallel. I know Boulez loves reading and Paul uh, Clay's writings and loves looking at his pictures and has been very affected by that. And I think that's got a parallel with let's just take the basic elements of sound and time and melody and harmony, examine them afresh as if they just fell down in front of you. What would you do with these tools? And I think also that's very much Bullis's attitude towards society as a whole. In the early years, it was polemic. He criticised a lot of what he found as being unsatisfactory, but he quickly realised just saying this won't do, if you can't do anything about it, is no good. So he decided to do something about it, and that's really why he became a conductor. Because as a composer, he could only do so much. One of the problems that his generation had was getting anyone to play their music. Mm. Well, as a conductor, he could help with that. And he used that, and frankly, let's say, the power that came with that in a very, very productive way. How? Well, to found, for example, a whole load of institutions in France that did not exist. I'll name one of them, this Institute of Research and Coordination of Acoustics and Music. Rather a mouthful, that. It's EARCAM is the short for that. Well, EARCAM is basically an electroacoustic music centre, a centre for exploring and devising new ways in which sound and science can interact. What electronic music doesn't play a big role in Bullis's music. He's written only about three substantial, yes, but only three pieces that really used it properly. Of course, it was very nice, you know, to be able to say to President Pompidou, what music really needs is this, and then get the answer, okay, if you, Pierre Bullis, think that, then we'll do it. I mean, that's pretty amazing to have somebody who could actually talk to the French president and get an answer of that kind of quality. There was um, 
A number of composers interviewed by a London newspaper pay tribute to or just say what they thought of Boulez as a figure musically and as a composer and so on. One of the warmest tributes came, and most touching, came from none other than the late John Taverner. John Taverner, the religious composer, the first Christian and then Orthodox and then sort of rather pan-religious later, somebody who was always going on about the lack of spirituality in Western contemporary art music. So what does he have to say about Boulez? And he said, Boulez is... I think, a very great religious and spiritual figure in music. And I remember thinking, huh? And then thinking again and thinking, hang on, I think I know what this is at. And Tavner said, you just listened to one of those glorious passages of chords, glistening chords in Plis Salon Pli, or in some of his later music, which make you long almost for another world. They give you a window onto a, an, 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 another world that doesn't exist and he said, um, for me, they, they're a symbol of paradise. And, of course, paradise as a concept interested John Taverner. And he said, I once told Boulez that in the lift. God knows what Boulez thought. Boulez said, I don't believe, I know you believe in paradise. I don't believe in paradise. And um, Taverner said, he said to Boulez, I know, I know you don't, Pierre, but your music does. How do you see his music affecting other composers? I've seen, I mean, I'm, I'm only in my 40s, but I've seen enough fashions come and go in music and, and society generally to have seen Boulez go out of fashion and then come back into fashion again. My impression is that young composers now are perfectly happy to just listen to this music and, and if they find it attractive, study it with enthusiasm. They don't, I think, feel the need to take on the battles. Those were his battles in his time. They have other battles to fight. They certainly have no trouble getting into that sound world or the sound worlds that Boulez creates and swimming around very happily in it. And they'll take on Boulez, they'll take on Steve Reich, they'll take on Helmut Lachenmann. They'll take on some of them, Beyoncé, whatever it is. They'll take on Ollie Nussen. They'll listen to all of these people, happily and with enthusiasm and interest, and often with great perception. Um, But many of them have said to me they would really like to hear this music live. And why can't we hear it live? We are fed up of always hearing the old CDs. They're marvellous, but we want to hear how this music sounds in the concert hall. So what I'm saying to all of them is, you keep saying this to me, Go along and hear it. The BBC and the Barbican are doing all these pieces live just for you. So go on and hear it. And finally, as we attempt to explore this man and his music from every angle, we can now move finally from the conductor and composer to that of the players. I caught up with some of the members of Ensemble Intercontemporain, which the composer himself founded in 1976. My name is Eric Maria Couturier. I'm My name is Sophie Chayenne. I'm flutist at the Ensemble Intercontemporain. Mm, maybe I listened the first time Pierre was music when I was very young, so I made maybe mistook with some free free jazz music because I was four years old. But later on, I seriously met him uh, as a conductor when I was working in the Orchestre de Paris and we were performing um, Stravinsky's Spring Ritual and then uh, many collaborations. Then um, 
in Ensemble Intercontinental, and I met him in real with his music, with the répond and the dérive. And for me, it was well. I was 20 years ago when I went to the Ensemble. I've been, you know, I met it in this Ensemble. So for me, everything was new. Uh, I didn't know nearly one one thing about contemporary music. I knew Boulez, of course, and a bit of his music, but not so much. Mm. So I discovered everything with the ensemble. So, of course, Memorial for the solo flute the later, but also Sonatine uh, and many pieces, of course. Every piece is from, from his composition, now we know. What did you think of the music, though, when you, when you did get to perform it? What, what, were your, what were your sort of impressions? Well, my first impression was very, very strong because uh, when I entered the Ensemble Intercontinent 12 years ago, I didn't know anything about uh, this kind of music. So I really dived into it mm. and the, the scores were amazing, the individual parts. And also I was reading his books a little bit, but I couldn't understand. And also the rehearsal were fantastic. Yes, it was a big, a big shock because um, there were some contradictions in a way of his way of, his way of conducting, also his way of writing, in the sense that there, it was very clear, very vertical, and also he, he has some softness in the in way of conducting, also in some lyrical pieces, also. He added some, for example, in Derive de The last version, um, there are a lot of solos, very lyrical, and so a memorial you can tell about as a flutist. There is many pieces, also vocal pieces, and there is a lot of images of, like French, what would be French music, um, with the Debussy roots. I think it comes from here. Mm. So I discovered that, and it was very, um, I was very impressed. Yeah. When I arrived, of course, I was 20, 20 years ago, uh, 20 years young, sorry, so it was much far away from Eric, 30 years ago now. And of course, when you, you arrive at, you are 20 years old, you discover very great musicians and uh, the, the level for, for me was really incredible. I was just thinking, what am I going to do in this ensemble? So, and then I have the same impression than, uh, than Eric. So if we, we speak about Boulez, that the one part of him is really, you know, all the details and, and everything in, I can, can I say he's, he, he hears everything when he's when 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 he's conducting, he's following every lines and he has the idea and, and he's very vertical and very, he seems to be you know only technical but I think like like Eric that there's a lot of lyricism even in his way of conducting and even in his music of course. One of the first image I had uh, when we, I tried to the audition yeah. that some we have some music. Uh, to play under his uh, baton. And so we followed his hand, and I was just fascinated by the hand. Mm. It was like a ballet, really. It was so soft and so guiding also in the same way. Oh, wow. I think I have the same impression. I always say that. We, we, honestly, we didn't speak together about that. Some people say, oh, when you look at Boulez's face, don't, don't look at his face, look at his hand. Just... Just go in, uh, follow his hand, and you just seem, you know, to... Yes, there's many things coming just out of one hand. This is it. What? All the music, all, the, all, the, all the, the emotion is coming in his hand. Of course, you, you look at his face when, he, when he's conducting. It seems, you know, like there's, there's nothing happening, but it's not true. It's just to, we have to, to be with his hand. He, he set this up, I think, in 1976. Um, what were the aims do you think he had when, or the reason he set, he set it up in the first place? 
Well, um, there is many things about this return and um, the same thing that he wanted to create the uh, informatics uh, research center mm-hmm. as an IRCAM close to the Pompidou Museum and also a structure, administrative structure and um, offices and um, also rehearsal rooms and concert um, concert hall uh, as a Cité de la Musique. That, that was the, the aim, what this... Uh, it was the architect of, of all these things. So now we are um, enjoying very much uh, to work in, in these uh, walls of, um, that he created for us. And also there will be another one um, next to, in the Porte de Pantin in Paris, which will be a, a Philharmonie uh, de Paris. The Cité de Musique was created in 1990. But yes, I don't know before, where did you work in uh, 1976? Well, in 19, well, I was not really 1970. <laughs> oh, nearly, yeah, I was in 1980. But we were, we, we had a rehearsal in a very bad place because, because we didn't have a, a special room for us. And we were playing around the theater, like the Théâtre du Châtelet, Théâtre du Rond-Point. We were going, but the idea of Boulez was creating this, you know, uh, how can we say the small world for, for, for music and, and, and this is it now. It's, it was so, he wanted so much this big hall, which is the Philharmonie, which is being built now. He had a big fight for that to, to, to say we need in Paris a very big hall and, and finally we're going to have it. So mm-hmm. we are happy for him and for us, of course. From what you're saying, he's a man with a great vision, you know, musically and 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 artistically. Exactly, he had exactly he had the vision of so many things in in every art, or by the way, so and especially of course in music. So he, when he had an idea like like the building this, he was just fighting with with that so many years. So. Finally, it's good that it's happened now. And it's not just that as well. I mean, an- another aspect that we haven't touched on is um, the, the, the technology. He obviously was a man who wanted to push the technology and the, re- the relationship between organic and electronics to, to its limit. Mm, we, um, when I arrived in the ensemble like 20, 12 years ago, I was playing the, the pieces with electronic and um, everything, everything were accomplished. accomplished. But I know that it was very difficult that uh, electronic was another extension of the music and, and sometimes a response, the uh, music was acoustic with the response of electronic. So they worked nights and nights and months and years. And now we do this with the laptop. It's uh, so, it has been so evoluted uh, until now. So for us, it's um, also a very uh, nice tool uh, because we, we can find also um, new uh, real-time uh, programs who can follow, adjust, even correct um, things when it's so fast the program can listen and correct also there is a way of, col- of following that's amazing and some musicians are working also with the engineers of IRCAM uh, in a way to uh, add some microphones very special ones a contact microphone inside the, for example, clarinet bass. It's uh, very new now, and so it might be possible to have another way of interaction. That that the acoustic instrument is based on electronic uh, stuff. So we will see what happens. But uh, I think it it can bring also more um, horizon um, for um, for creating. Of course, because the the composer will have a, another role now. 
It's not only I'm writing the the acoustic part in the score, and then uh, we will have um, assistant for electronics. That it will be the same person. Yeah. Uh, there will be both creators, and also the the, the music musician will be the third creators. It's more powerful, maybe. Well, I was at the beginning when when the machines became, you know, trying to be in our world. And it was very, very, very difficult. It was always a good vision, of course, of Boulez and all the, only, not only Boulez, all, all the, the, the composers around. And it was very complicated at the beginning because the machines were, it was enormous. And then it was, for example, when, when we created the Explosion Fix for, for flute solo BD, uh, with Don Floy uh, with a computer, we had to play on what I was calling an orthopedic flute, you know, with many small captors and every... It was very complicated. We, we, we had to say to an interface, oh, she's playing a J, oh... The interface was saying to the computer, okay, she had played a, a J. So on J, there's an event which is coming in. You know, it was, and now, as Eric said, after years and years, it's just, we play on our instruments. We just have, we have a very small microphone and it's just following the nurse, the nurse. So it, it's not a question of doigté. It's just a question of recognizing, we call it recognizing the The, the sound where they come. It has, you know, it has taken about 15 years, I think, 20 years, and then now. Getting back to your instruments, I thought <laughs> I'd ask about next. I mean, how does he write for, for the cello and, and, and the flute? I know his, his writing is normally thought to push the instruments to, to their limits. It's not pushing the instruments to the age of limit, it's pushing the musicians on the and his, uh, ages. <laughs> For me, it's very interesting because he has written what, uh, the sonatine. He was 20 years old, so it has been written in 45. And it still stays a very difficult piece rhythmically, especially rhythmically. He pushes quite far, but not so far. That mean, I mean, for me, what I know about Boulez for, for the flute, Marteau 100 mètres, of course, Memorial, even Explosion Fix, Sonatine, it's possible to do everything. It's not, you, you have for Fernero, for example, who pushes so far that you, you, you must leave some information beside because you can't play everything. Boulez, you can, you can do it, but what is, stays very difficult, especially with the Sonatine, is the, 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 the rhythm with the pianist and to be, you know, In, in the same mood that, that we, we, we can have the same uh, music coming out. And I, I remember Pierre Laurent Aymar was playing, was playing with, with us and I played it with, uh, with him. He was always saying, each time I'm playing the, the sonatine, it's like, uh, I don't know, like going to, to, to die, to die. You know, it's a mise à mort. It, it was, you can play this piece 20, 20 times, 40 times. It's still interesting and you have still, you know, a sort of challenge to... Yeah. That, that, that was, for me, very exciting to, uh, since uh, years and years. Uh, I think it's a very good program for, for his 90th birthday. Ne next year will be the, the, uh, the 90th anniversary. Is it a great opportunity to, to look back and, and maybe even look forward? I mean, it's, it's an amazing achievement that he's still with us composing incredible music. 
Well, it's a, of course a good opportunity to come and to play for his birthday. But you know, his birthday was in when he was eighty, eighty-five, or ninety, and and it will be always his birthday. That was what I think. But it's going to be a big, big event all around the world. Mm. I'm going to play, for example, uh, Explosion Fix in Baden-Baden, uh, where he lives, and then we I, I will play Memorial uh, for for me. It's very, of course, playing Memorial in in London, which is a town that. He loves and maybe he, he, he was he loves coming uh, and conducting here. So, of course, it's it's very important for us. But his birthday is any any day. Thanks to all the fantastic contributors to this look at the complex yet compelling world of music constructed by composer Pierre Boulez. This podcast itself originally compiled to coincide with the Boulez at 90 series at the venue. I'm Ben Eshmade. You've been listening to an archived edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.